Applause. Awesome. Yeah, what an awesome privilege it is to uh, have multiple people share and to hear from different people. Because it's important. My voice uh, gets a little old, right? And sometimes we communicate and share things differently. Uh, what I love about this, that even though it's uh, very much just our experience, I think there's a lot of relatable things here. And so our hope and our goal is that you would take away something and be able to look back at the year, whatever it brought, like highs and lows, that we'd be able to see what God has been doing. Uh, I love declaring that not everything is good, but God works all things for our good. And so the challenge for us as believers is to ask that question and to hear and to respond, okay, God, where are you in this season? Where are you in this? And, and uh, in this kind of roller coaster of emotions, that is the season, uh, truthfully, we say this season, but it's, you know, it's more than just a year. We are approaching 23 months of um, disruption, a little bit of chaos. And, and truthfully, God has revealed himself to me in numerous different ways. Uh, I've seen personal growth within myself. Uh, I feel like I am not the same person as I was, you know, 22, 23 months ago. And I'm really thankful for that. And, but also within my family, watching into my kids' lives and stuff. It's cool. It's been, there's been lots of good. Uh, in the same way, it has been a, a roller coaster. <laughs> there's been ups and downs. And sometimes what you just see is me uh, on and up, right? And so uh, this is more than just me being high. High, oh my gosh, on a, on a high. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not a confession moment here. But uh, one of the most memorable moments of impact happened about a year actually into uh, the pandemic. And truthfully, I was actually really struggling. Um, there was a lot going on and uh, there was a lot of learning. And so the first part of being shut down as a church was a whole lot of learning. And thank God for YouTube and Facebook that were able to connect together. And I was just really, really busy. And so uh, being busy can be a distraction. And it was a welcome distraction, to be truthfully honest, as I was just doing things. And then all of a sudden, some of those things just didn't need to be done anymore because we got things going. And it was in that pause that, um, uh, I don't know, I was just really, really struggling. And that feeling that I was feeling was even though I was doing a lot, that I was never enough for everybody, that I wasn't meeting everyone's expectations, that I was letting someone down uh, no matter where, where I turned. And, and I was falling short of my own expectations, the expectations of this job, the expectations of others. And it was just um, uh, a lot of, you know, balancing between, I don't know if anyone's done this, this, this whole line of really positivity and hope. I'm a pretty positive person. And then also crying and wanting to give up, you know, that little thin line where, yeah, well, I was an emotional wreck. And so I, it was during one of those, um, in that moment, I was doing my devotions um, and uh, I was reading through the gospel. Uh, I was actually in Mark in my devotions. And it's actually a very, really familiar story to me. And if you've been in church long enough, and if you're watching and you've been in church long enough, you would have uh, read the story of, of um, Jesus uh, in the middle of a storm on the boat. And it's, I'm going to read from Mark 4, 35 to 41. So you can just listen with me as I read this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Then the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. 
even the wind and the waves obey him. So as I read this devotion, I kind of began to pray and really make this my declaration, you know, uh, um, God, calm this storm, end COVID, end lockdown. And I was praying against uh, all these different things. And it's in one of these moments of really desperation prayer that I really felt God illuminated a point to me. As I, I've read this verse very, very many times, and, and I've, I've shared this before, but, but God began to reveal that Jesus was actually already sleeping on the boat, that he didn't need the storm to end to find peace. And that even though that Jesus is the calmer of the storms and has the power to, to break things under control, uh, peace is not determined by my circumstances. Peace is what I can walk into because of Jesus Christ. And so um, if there is a word that describes God's character in this season, it, it, it is uh, peace. He is the peace giver. He is the peace bringer. And see, my perspective began to change when I saw that differently. Uh, um, I, I've kind of said a lot that we don't need to change our circumstances to feel joy and to see and to experience God's goodness. In fact, when we constantly try to change our situations, we notice that, you know, that those things don't come from that, that peace actually comes from God. And, and so my prayers and my declarations began to change. They, they changed to, God, you are my peace I am enough in you. And it even transitioned to thankfulness. You know, I'm just, look at all you've provided. It's amazing how here we are. Katie and I were talking about it as we walked down here. About five years ago, this snowstorm would have shut down church. Yet because of what's available online, people are still able to participate. Uh, and nothing surprises God. Nothing surprises him at all. But most importantly, I think my anxiety and that feeling of that I'm not good enough uh, really revealed that my focus was off. I was focused on COVID. I was focused on masks. I was focused on vaccines and it, all these different controversies and things. And it, it dominated my thoughts. It dominated my conversations. Instead, my focus needs to be on Jesus and the gospel of salvation, uh, healing and deliverance. It was in this season that I kind of, I wrote the song. It's, it's called Only You. And part of the chorus reads, it's you, only you. Only you have the power to save. That's my de new declaration. And peace is now the mantle that I wear because it's only about Jesus. He can take care of the storms. So I'm going to invite my wife up to take over. Oh, I don't know about following that. You made me first. Amen. <laughs> so good. Um, hi. So if it looks like I'm kind of reading it, it's because I kind of am, because I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to say what I want to say without like babbling and stuff. So I kind of wrote it out. I'm one of those people. But um, for me, God is provider. And I added one because I like breaking the rules a tiny bit, not a lot, but just a bit. And I wrote a whisper and you're going to figure out why in a, in a second. Um, Am I standing still? There we go. Sandwiched in between a few of the most memorable, impactful, faith-building stories of Elijah's life in the Bible is the one that best reflected who God has been to me during this past year. On the one side, in 1 Kings 18, we see that Elijah has just repaired the altar of the Lord, and God has shown his amazing power in front of all the people of Israel and the almost a thousand false prophets in the area. 
On the other side, in 1 Kings 19 to 2, to 2 Kings 2, <laughs> 2 Kings 2, we see Elijah passing on the mantle of his ministry to Elisha and then disappearing in a whirlwind into heaven accompanied by a chariot of fire. You can't beat some of these experiences he had. <laughs> My spirit goes, wow. <laughs> but in the middle of these amazing accounts of his life, we see him sitting down under a, a tree, a solitary tree, it says, um, feeling done. In 1 Kings 19, we can read about this conversation he has with the Lord. And I'm not going to recount the whole thing, but I told you where it was, so you can go in and look it up. But in verses 5 to 6, it says, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head, I don't know why, this is just a long season. <laughs> there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. He was then fed again after he rested. And then he continued on his journey. There are a few things that I really love about this moment in Elijah's life and his relationship with the Lord. God wants to talk to us like a friend and we can come to him in any season of our life. Elijah needed a nap. He needed physical food and water and he needed to know that God was on his side and would rescue him. He was scared. <laughs> the word that kept coming to mind when I was thinking about this conversation between God and Elijah is intimate. God wants to talk with us. A couple of times he asks Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? That exact sentence. And listens as Elijah pours out his heart. I like it when God speaks back and it's a memorable couple of verses, also found in 1 Kings 19, verses 11 and 12. God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. God had shown himself in big, mighty ways before in Elijah's life, and he would again. It's not like God had never been in the fire. He actually literally was in the fire for Elijah in his life. But this time it was just for Elijah and was found in a gentle whisper, personal and intimate. Along with hearing us, God miraculously provides what we need. In this case, food and water that sustained Elijah for 40 days. That's some pretty good bread. <laughs> but also speaks with Elijah. And after hearing him, gives him clear direction. Jesus speaks in 1 John 6, or in John 6, sorry, about being the bread of life. Saying, whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And also previously to the woman at the well in John 4, he highlights the thirst portion, saying, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. There's something about God providing physical bread and water to Elijah that made me think he's also providing something deeper. As Elijah comes close and shares his heart, he needed food. 
which we see the Lord providing not just to Elijah, but over and over again throughout the Bible. So turn to the Lord if you need bread, water, but also he needed protection and direction, spiritual sustenance, and he received it. So that's, that's my thing. If you need a nap under a tree, <laughs> it's your time. Um, one of the things that I love to do, and kind of it helped me in this season, because I, like Sam, I was like, I don't know what to do. We just keep doing the things we're doing because we know to do them. But then there's also, yeah, there's lots of things going on. But anyway, one of the things I love is these little prayer booky things that tell you what to pray. And I know like some people don't like, it's just so set and rote. But sometimes I need that. I need to just keep doing what I know to do because I know to do it is right, and it's what God wants. And so I love these little books, and so I wanted to pray what I would pray under the tree um, many times. Not the real tree, but like, you know what I mean? Lord, you have said to call upon you in the day of trouble, and you will deliver us. I call upon you now and ask that you would work deliverance in our lives. Deliver us from anything that binds us. Set us free. Lift us away from the hands of the enemy. Bring us to a place of understanding where we can recognize the work of evil and cry out to you for help. If the deliverance I, we pray for isn't immediate, keep us from discouragement and help us to be confident that you have begun a good work in us and will complete it. Give us the certainty that even in this most hopeless state, when I find it impossible to change anything, you, Lord, can change everything. Amen. So... <laughs> Up next is my brother-in-law, Chris. Come on up. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Good morning. I know many of you. I'm Tina's husband, Chris, and I appreciate Sam and Katie asking me to share this morning. Um, I'm, a, I'm an instructor at BCIT, and this year was marked with kind of relearning how to teach. Uh, I'm in a technical field, and I'm in my head a lot. Um, and uh, Katie, I also had to write out what I'm going to say, so you're not alone in that. I won't give you the word till the second page, so we'll get there. Uh, earlier this year, our pastor told us a story about being in Costa Rica with a missions team. Uh, they had to go through, their uh, through the jungle, and uh, while their host took their luggage uh, by horse to the village that they were going to along a different road. Uh, the team was told to take certain paths and certain turns to get to their village, uh, but directions don't always translate well to jungle paths, uh, and they found themselves second-guessing whenever they came to a fork in the road. Is this a left turn? Is this a, a Y? Is this a four-way stop? And uh, after many hours, essentially, of being lost, they heard a commotion in the jungle, and their host came bursting through on horseback and said, I knew you guys would have taken this wrong turn. I'm glad I found you. Let me guide you back and then on to our destination. And the story told our pastor the difference between following a set of instructions and following a guide. And he challenged us to see Jesus and to see our faith as walking with a guide rather than following a set of instructions. Now, I grew up in the church, but this story really worked on me this year. Um, do I listen to a good sermon on Sunday and then try to apply it to my life? Do I find myself in situations at work and then try to see, well, how does that Bible story uh, make sense of what I'm going through? Is it up to my memories of a list of instructions to walk out my faith in the workplace and with my family? Or do I have a guide to lead me? What I've been relearning this year is that God is present. God is present with me. 
you know, Jesus shows me both who God is and how to relate to God. So when I'm frustrated with a coworker, it's not just me trying to figure out a Christian response, but it's me asking, Dad, I'm frustrated with my coworker. And if I open myself up to it, I find perspective, priorities, and wisdom. I think that's what Paul meant by choosing to believe, or choosing to, uh, to live in the Spirit. It's choosing to believe that God is in it with me, and asking for his wisdom, his ideas, his instructions, and acting accordingly. What's been driving this home largely for me this year um, is through this year, we've been praying with some dear friends of ours, and they live on the other side of the country, but we will Skype or Zoom or whatever technology happens to work that week and chat and pray. Um, and when we share, we, we pray and we ask if anyone has anything from God to share with each other. And through much practice and trust, uh, we get a word or a picture or even tongues and interpretation. And it re-reminds me that God is always speaking. Every time we come together, there's a picture, there's a word, and it reminds me God is always speaking. And he knows what I need. God is present. You know, that's been emphasized for me a lot this Christmas season. God comes to us as a baby, grows up, models for us how to be led by what the Father wants. And as he leaves, he says it's for our own good, and he sends his spirit to live inside of us. Our whole story is of God coming closer and closer to us, and now is in us, and wants to speak to us and in our situation. God is present. I think next is Tina, and I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say. Thank you. And I looked forward to what you were going to say, <laughs> although I found his paper in his journal the other day and was reading it, so, you know. <laughs> we're all journal readers in our house, I think, so. Anyway. <laughs> That was a long time ago. Um, my word for this would be God is sovereign. And that's a big word. And because I have kids, I break it down a little bit. And I say that God is in control. He reigns over all, is in all, and through all. He has all authority and power. All things on heaven and on earth must bow before God and submit to him. I find comfort in praying, your will be done, God. And often I have no other words to pray. Because I know that his will is ultimately what I want. I want to see and experience his will. But it comes in his way and in his timing. And I would describe my life and all of our lives as a crazy process and journey of trust, trusting God. And this isn't a one-time choice when I'm, I was lucky enough to be about four when I first trusted in God and knew him personally. But this is a hundred times a day for me, especially when I became a parent. I started even deeper in this crazy process of trust. And when thoughts come into my head, I trust. When arguments come, I trust. It's all, 
all the time. I trust that God is in control. But I have to give that to him. I have to continue to trust um, that he loves me. He's not just sovereign and in control as a faraway king. He loves me. He cares for me. He wants what's best for me, for us. Um, so when I say that he is sovereign, I'm also saying that I am not. I, and nor do I need to be. I am not in control. I do not need to understand. And I am able to have peace in my heart when, when everything feels out of control, just like Sam was saying. Um, I can trust and I can have peace in the middle of the storm. And I trust God to care for me and to work things for his good in my life. And as I thought about how God being sovereign affects me the most, um, I thought about prayer. And there's a story about Mother Teresa, maybe many of you have heard of it before, and she is talking or being interviewed by a news reporter about prayer. And the reporter asked her, what do you say during your prayers? And she answered, I listen. And the reporter then said, well, then what does God say? And she smiled and said, he listens. And I feel like that's forming more and more in my life, that I'm silent. I'm, I'm just, I'm trusting. Psalm 62, verse 5, says, let all that I am wait quietly before God. My hope is in him. And finally, a verse that I got well, instilled in me in Sunday school. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I do not need to understand. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He is your guide. He's with you. And he will direct your path through the jungle. <laughs> so, isn't that nice to kind of tie them all together? Bring them all, except Katie's. Uh, he's your provider. He is the gentle whisper. So that's it. It's so awesome to hear the different words that people have experienced over the last year and a bit. And I'm finding myself on the verge of emotion. And so I'm going to try to not, not go there. Um, if I'm sharing mine, um, I'm, I'm going to tell you, like Chris, a little bit later what my word is, but I would title this short little thought, a candle, a dime, and an invitation. About six weeks ago, I was preparing an Advent recording for uh, the church I'm part of in Coquitlam, and I had to do the candle of peace. And as I was preparing my little short thing, um, I prepared it, wrote it out, and then went to record it and completely changed. And the words coming out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, I haven't prepared this. I don't know what I'm saying. And then they said, you need to record it again. And I was like, but the page that's there prompting me what to say is completely different than what I just said. So it's going to be two different entirely recordings. And so I, I did my best to record it the second time. But what I found myself saying was, peace isn't a place you get to. It's not after this event or after COVID or after this um, amount of money in the bank or after uh, this relationship is made easy, whatever it is, 
It's not a place that you get to. Joy, love, they're not places that you arrive at. So similar to what Pastor Sam started this section of of message in, it's not a place of once the storm is over, I'm going to have peace. How many know that storms can finish and there's still no peace? I can have an awkward, difficult conversation with someone, and at the end of it, there can still be no peace. And what God started speaking to me was uh, a few years ago, I had a pretty serious concussion, and in the middle of it, I was like, okay, God, once I'm done this, man, I am like ready. There is nothing that's going to stop me. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, why are you waiting? And what are you waiting for? And so in this last year, I've found myself so many times waiting for when COVID is over, when we are back to normal, when whatever this is passes, then whatever it is, fill in the blank. And I feel like, similarly to Jesus being in the boat, God started speaking to me about I'm in the midst of every day. My word is God is there. God is present, similar to Chris, similar to the various themes. God is there. God is present. In the candle of Advent, I saw that it's not a place we get to. It's not a once COVID is done, then I'm going to pray more, then I'm going to follow God, then I'm going to whatever. It's in the midst of every day, every relationship, every opportunity that we can lean towards the Holy Spirit's voice and hear what is in the midst of this day for this time, the candle, the dime. In the back of my phone case, I have this dime, and it is a real dime, and people often ask about it, and I will tell you the story very quickly. This summer, I was overseeing four interns at the church that I work at, and one, we give them all the task of a public speaking exercise. So they prepare a short five to seven minute little mini sermon, similar to what today is, only contrary to, to what is happening today. They have a room full of, well, not full, but there's about 13 people in the room of which four or five of us have done public speaking or preaching regularly. And so these young interns get to stand up in front of us and they preach or share. And then we tell them how they can improve or tell them what was really good and how it was really strong. And it was just a really interesting experience. And one of them stood up there and He handed us all a little piece of paper, um, and you could tell something was inside, but you didn't know what it was. And he said, don't open it until I tell you. And then he went on to share a story from his own life about how he was in a season of um, being away uh, for military in Singapore. And he got connected with a friend at the church that he went to. And when he was leaving that time of ministry, uh, time of experience, and... um, coming back to Canada, his friend had given him this little piece of paper, and inside it, it said uh, the two words for church, koinonia plus ecclesia equals church. And then he preached a little message on the fact that sometimes we, we bank on the fact that church is gathering. It's just the gathering of people on Sunday mornings, and that has really taken a hit during COVID. It's you know, when can we gather? When can we get back to our usual rhythms of gathering? When can we be in the same place at the same time? And he said, but church is two things. It's the gathering, yes, but it's also the koinonia. And that's the Greek word for fellowship. And fellowship can happen 
when gathering can't. And so when we opened the piece of paper, there was a little coin in it. And it was a dime for me. And I just sat there holding the dime and I went, I've been waiting to get back to something instead of looking into what can I do in the midst of this something? Who are the people that I can connect with? And I was in a new place of ministry, a new community of people, and I looked around and I went, this is new, and these are new people, and I'm not sure I want them to see me. (laughs) I'm not sure I got the energy to connect or reconnect. And then even in my long-established relationships, how many know that you can get to a place in long-established relationships where you can look at someone and say, I don't know that I know you in the deep ways. I think I've missed something. I've missed an element of connection. I don't know what your passions and interests are right now. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, in the midst of all that's going on, you can choose connection with people. It might not look like what it looks like. It might not look like what it looked like. But there is risk and reward in letting connection happen again or in new ways. So a candle, a dime, and an invitation. We're going to take a moment of uh, song at the end of the service to allow you to consider what, if you were tasked with this, what is your God is, dot, dot, dot. What is your reflection of God's presence and purpose and personhood in 2021? And as we stand here on the last Sunday of 2021 and look towards 2022, what is the invitation of God to your heart today? What have you heard that you're like, yeah, I I need that. I need that reminder of a nap, (laughs) that the very practical, physical things, or just the awareness of his presence, or the leaning in, the knowledge of God in the midst of all the things. God is peace. God is provider and a whisper. God is present as a guide. God is sovereign. But I just loved Tina's drawing out the fact that it's not just a remote king sovereign. It's a loving father present sovereign. And God is there in the midst. And that's the invitation to receive from the Holy Spirit refreshing purpose and hearing in this So...